Hi, I'm Russ Camarda, an independent filmmaker and actor in New York, and in between the chances I get to do my creative projects, I love to sit down and talk with other artists to see how it is they do what they do, how they take art and use their craft to reveal truth to an audience. So in this series of conversations, you'll meet some people you may recognize, some people you won't recognize, but they're all independent artists and will get in-depth in a long-form conversation to see how it is they do what they do. Welcome to Art Craft Truth. This time on Art Craft Truth, actor Mackenzie Meehan from Broadway's War Horse to the CBS television series Bull, HBO's Vinyl, and acting opposite Jonah Hill and Leonardo DiCaprio in Martin Scorsese's Wolf of Wall Street. Mackenzie is so fun to have on the podcast because she loves to talk about the craft. Mackenzie with a capital K. I hope you enjoy it. Hi, can you hear me? I can hear you great. How are you doing? Good, I'm good. How are you? Awesome, awesome. Thanks so much for doing this. It's my pleasure. I love um, I love talking about the craft. I feel like it's a very it's a rare thing. People usually want to talk about the business, but yeah, the actual no. craft. Right. There's not too many places because, where you can find that stuff now, so that's why I, I got a kick about doing it. Oh. And you yeah. are and you are lit great, which is beautiful. A little window light there. It's nice. I got a ring light. Very you nice. Know, you gotta have those selfies so you come to us co uh, courtesy of the lovely and talented uh, co-star of yours, Geneva Carr. She's just a delight, and she was awesome. A delight. Geneva Carr, superstar. She is indeed. And um, so what's your story, Mackenzie? First of all, another great name. I'm getting nothing but great names out of all these actors. This, that's an awesome name, Mackenzie. Um, spell with an M-A, M -A, right? M-A, capital K. M-A-C, capital K. Capital K. Got it. All right. I will not make that mistake. Um, so uh, before we get into all the craft stuff, where did it all, where did it all start for you? Where, where are you from um, uh, as a kid and everything? I'm going to make this as brief as possible. There was a lot of moving, so I'll just blow through it. Born in Iowa City, Iowa. Um, then my family moved to Houston, Texas, a suburb of Houston, Texas, Friendswood, um, I was there until I was five. Then my parents moved to Denver, which is where my mom's family is from, um, and was there from six to 18. Um, then I found myself studying at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts when I was 16. I don't know what my parents were thinking, but they thought that would be okay <laughs> to send a 16-year-old who just got her driver's license to L.A. to be by herself wow. for the summer for six weeks. I mean... My mom is amazing and so supportive. And I remember telling my dad about that. And he was like, okay, that's great. And then when actually it came time, like the day before I was leaving, I was like, so you know I'm going to LA. I'm living in Hollywood, California by myself in an apartment unsupervised for six weeks. And he was like, wait, what's happening? So <laughs> I think he finally paid attention to what was going on. I was like, too late, I'm going. Um, so my mom and I drove my Saturn Denver to LA, spent six weeks there, lived with a bunch of, you know, artists. I literally slept on an aero bed and it was the best six weeks up until that point of my life. Um, got to really learn the ins and outs of, of Hollywood and, and really get my first taste of like training, training, right. um, then I finished high school, um, went, I was very obsessed with the idea of going to Hollywood and living in California to try to 
start my career as an actor. And um, my dad basically said, I'm not going to pay for a conservatory training. Like, if you want me to help you with college, then you need to go to a liberal arts school. Interesting. So, I mean, at the time I was mad because I was, you know, 18 and I just was very headstrong and like wanting to be an actor. And I knew the like path of getting in needed to be very specific and very, but now that I look back, I'm very grateful that he had that boundary because I ended up going to Cal state long beach and I met the most fabulous people. I got the best training and, um, and I also got to learn about other things, which was, I didn't realize it at the time, but looking back, I'm like, that was so rad. Like I got to, do women's studies and anthropology and psychology and sociology and all these having access to different ideas and different, um, you know, studying different things was really valuable and always adds to the pot of being an actor. So um, anyway, then I was in LA for four years doing my undergraduate degree at Cal State Long Beach, majored in acting and directing and then was very dead set on going to grad school because I trained at um, the American uh, Actor Center. The Actor Center. <laughs> this was actually a place at the time. This was back in 2004 where you okay. could like go to a place. And um, so when I was in college, I went to the Actor Center, trained there for six weeks, fell in love with New York, felt like this was even more of a specific training program got to work with amazing you know kids and um have access to the idea of going to grad school mm-hmm. so then that's when the idea was planted about continuing on after i graduated to nyu or Yale or ntc or one of these programs and so i decided to audition for grad schools because i really was hungry for more specificity in my training um and worked really hard, got into NYU. I was so grateful, still am. Uh, got my MFA there, landed in New York, and here we are. All right. So we got a lot to unpack there, but I'm going to do it. I want to do it with, with a craft with a craft focus, okay? Um, and I, I apologize, we're having a little Zoom latency issue, but uh, but we can we can we can deal with it. It'll be okay. Um, <clears throat> so as a kid six weeks at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts, then Cal State Long Beach training there, then Actors Center, then NYU. If you can, what are the kind of things you're learning at each of these things? Are they different? Is is a 16-year-old at the American Academy is learning different sort of basics for acting than when you get to Long Beach, than when you get to NYU? I mean, what are the kinds of techniques are they giving you? Are they kind of directing you down a, a, a specific school of thought, a method, or what? What was the deal with all those different places? Yeah. So, you know, I, I also want to just take it back a little bit because I actually started acting when I was 13 years old, like auditioning in Denver. This is the Denver market in the 90s. So it's, it's you know, infomercials and it's, um, you know, low budget, everything i did occasionally audition for some like mcdonald's commercials and stuff like that but um i found myself at this place called kid skits 
and they were a performing company, an agency, and an acting studio. So I started really training and, and performing for people, live theater, doing plays all through high school, middle school. Um, so I had a foundation of understanding of like right. audience. And, you know, at that point in my training, I was a kid. So it was like, okay, um, go across the floor and, you know, one at a time and um, pretend like you are um, an animal, you know? And so it, it, that point in my training was opening up, um, letting go, right. right? Like I was, I was in middle school basically. So I was really self-conscious. So that was a place where I could spend four hours of my life being silly again and, and being a kid and, and accessing my imagination and people being like, yes, that's great. Do that voice, do that mm -hmm. face and it, do that character. Right. And it was so like, all of these. So is. building your, you know, getting into your body and building your confidence and being out in front of people was the earliest stuff, which makes sense. Yes. So, so the company was, um, we would perform and do singing and different characters. So it was like the first time I was being asked to do different characters and different voices. And so I was thrilled by that because, you know, it was just in school that was not cool and it was weird. And now I found my people right. and it was delightful to kind of have a place to ha let my freak flag fly a little bit. <laughs> right. and, and not only be like, okay, you're, you're fine, but like celebrated for it. And I was like, this is awesome. Um, and then, you know, I kind of just thought, I, I don't know. I don't know that I really thought of it as being a career. It was like a hobby that I was like, okay, I found my hobby. You know, my brothers and sisters were into sports and other things. And I was like, okay, this is what I do for my extracurricular now, just, life. And I do just as a tangent there, how many siblings do you have? I have one brother who's related to me fully right. and then i have step siblings and are they older where do you fall in the line well um so my family my parents divorced when i was six and my dad remarried when i was nine the wife had three kids so it was kind of partridge family right. putting the family together um and that i found acting around the time that we had a blended family i'm sure that had something sure. to do with needing a place to kind of access some emotion and right. some feelings I was having at the time that I couldn't process in that's, my home. That's what I'm getting at is to see where, where that all falls together. Definitely. It's all connected. So, um, I was the second, so my brother's older than me. My brother, Greg is three years older than me. I was the younger sibling, but then in the family of five mm -hmm. kids, I was number two. Gotcha. All right. All right. So so then when you when you uh, find this facility for it and you start to get this confidence as a kid and you're out there auditioning and things and and they decide to send you, you or you 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 your mom is great enough to get you down there to, to the American Academy. What's the American Academy teaching you back then at that time? So, you know, it was the first time I was in a classroom with really, really talented, driven people like uh -huh. me. So it kind of upped my game a little bit right. because I think I was used to being a big fish in a small pond. And all of a sudden I was like that, you know, we were all a hodgepodge group from all over the country, which was amazing to have access to a girl from Portland <laughs> and a guy from New York. Like, you know, we all had different ways of talking and different perspectives and 
And just having access to that was amazing in and of itself. It kind of broadened my view of the world. And then it was the first time in class where we talked about the word intention mm. and, and what is your intention? And now I now know it is objective, but that's another way to sure, put it. Right. Doing a scene study and working with what is it that you want? What is it that you want? It was the first time we sort of did long form body awareness work where we would do a, a body scan, check in, just kind of starting to understand my instrument a little bit more. Um, we took dance classes to kind of be able to broaden our, our horizons in terms of potentially becoming a triple threat. So we had a singing class, we had a dance class, we had an acting class and a voice class. Right. So. I think it was maybe trying to train people who were going to be actors or musical theater actors, or it was kind of like, like a full package kind of rounding out of the, of a, of a performer. And you're a kid yeah. at this point. Yeah. Are they yeah. all, and they're all probably 18, 19, right? Yeah. Or, or older, yeah. I would think around you. I think the, I think it was the pro the summer program was like 16 to one, I don't know that there was an age cap on it, oh, okay. but like we were all, we were all high school kids. Oh, okay. All right. And we were all in the same weird boat of like, our parents just let us go. I don't, I feel like <laughs> there was like this special nineties goggles that our parents were wearing right. where they were like, it's fine. God bless them for, for letting us do that. Because, you know, I think having that level of responsibility for myself, for, waking up every day and getting to class on time, right. knowing how, how to schedule my day to do homework and get things done, how to get groceries, <laughs> how to, it was the first time I took care of myself wow. and I was up for it and I was ready. And I, I so badly, um, I wanted it and I proved to my parents that I could do it and I was responsible. You know, they had boundaries. Like we want to hear from you every sure. day. We want to talk to you make sure you're alive. <laughs> right hear how the training is going, but mostly make sure you're alive. And, um, you know, I have to say, like, I think I, and especially as a mom, I, I realize this now, like, I think it's important to kind of let, let our kids go. You know, I think we really rise to the occasion when we are yeah. given the chance to have more responsibility. Right. Well, I mean, that's that's the metaphor for all of it. Right. I mean, there, you know, it's the same uh, when applied to performance is uh, preparation and, and do your homework and do what you got to do. But once you're up there, it's moment to moment and you got to let go of this and you got to be uh, courageous enough to let that go. And, and the, those performances are your children. You know, it's the same idea. It's you did the best you could. You, you learned your lines and now it's time to go out there and do it. So when you get That's to uh, when you get to Long Beach now this is now you're going to college college right for just being a, but you're but you're studying uh, in in drama and theater there is it different are what, what's the kind of stuff they're you're they're, you're getting there so I would say in general college training was more of the same it was more uh, the Cal State theater program was mostly geared towards straight plays. So it wasn't a musical theater program. It was just an acting program and it wasn't a BFA. It was a BA. So, um, it was a mix of kids who were incredibly talented and people who were not actors and just trying to figure out where they belong. But I think a lot of the training, um, 
was focused around objectives and actions, objectives and actions, really learning how to act. It's not just this thing that you happen to be good at. It's There's actually a process to it. There's actually a technique behind all of this. There's actually a way to achieve precise repeatability with complete spontaneity, which <laughs> in my um, training has been the definition of acting. So it was the first time someone defined what it is. So my, my mentor to this day, Hugh O'Gorman, um, is still and was at the time um, the head of acting at the department. And he was the first person to introduce the work of Michael Chekhov. Mm. And that is the foundation of my acting okay. training. All right. And that's where I hang a lot of my, that's where I hang my hat, so to speak, sure. as, as an actor, whenever I'm lost, whenever I'm struggling through something, that is the work that I immediately go to, to help me get unstuck or right. to help me get more specific or help with the character building aspect of things. Right. So I would say it was like foundationally incredibly important to learn how to act and to understand what it is I'm doing instead of just, wow, you're really good at that. Thumbs yeah. up. It's like, and, uh, let's and just, understand what you're doing. And just give me that phrase one more time. Cause that's a really good one. Uh, precise rep- Repeatability with complete spontaneity. Was that what it was? Yeah, yeah that's great. Yeah. That's an awesome uh, idea behind it. So, uh, so check off. So they were giving you like um, the magic if and working as if and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So the Michael Chekhov work is very, um, and I have a background in dance as well, I should mention. So it really spoke to me because it's very physical work. Mm. Um, it's very spiritual work. It felt the most, like something I could, um, and I feel emotional even talking about it because it's, it's work that really connects you to your soul Mm. and to your artistry. Um, you talk about heart rising, heart falling. You talk about the four brothers, the feeling of, of beauty, the feeling of ease, the feeling of the whole, and the feeling of um, joy. And those are, I think I'm getting the last one right, but it's the, the idea is everything you do as an artist should have those qualities. Mm. No matter what, if you have a one line guest star on a show to doing Shaw or Ibsen on Broadway, right. everything in between should always be endowed with a feeling of I understand my place in this whole story, which is the feeling of whole and knowing your place in it, the beauty, the artistry, the feeling of joy and the feeling of ease. There's like a relaxation, there's breath, there's movement. Um, And just going back to the four brothers always helps me lock in. Right. And, and get really I, and I would I would say that that's that out of that combination of things comes truth, which is what you're trying to put put across to your to your audience is is the truth of the the moment, the situation, the humanity of it. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it, really, it really um, the work really connects you physically. You know, there's. Stanislavski said, you know, you're either inside out or outside in Hmm. as an actor. You're either working, putting on, going to the character store and putting on a thing like, you know, maybe having an eye twitch or whatever, 
or you're working inside out. So you have to kind of know yourself and how you work. And sometimes you're one and sometimes you're the other, but that work connects me from the inside out. So if I can kind of connect, actually, I don't know. It kind of, it, it serves in both ways. Now that I think about it, if I'm kind of like, I don't know, then I'll go to the like Michael Chekhov corner of my training and say, okay, this is a moment where my heart is going to drop through my body because the doctors just told me my best friend has died. So I'm going to start the scene with my heart being suspended and having that imagery and then seeing the image and feeling that heart fall through my body. And that is a way to kind of internally speak the moment. Right. Right. Yeah. What's interesting is both, both ways, uh, uh, connect the physical and sort of the divine together. So, you know, the, the working outside in idea, I mean, if you're, if you're, if it's a pair of shoes or it's a certain fit of clothing, uh, a stiffness of the back or a looseness of the, whatever that physicality gets inside. So you're always kind of working inside out, even if you think you're working outside in, you know? Yeah, exactly. They're, they're just, they're always swimming it's always a swirl of the right. two i guess and that's interesting i've uh, i've never really i mean i guess i've probably touched on that but the actual use of imagery uh that you're projecting for yourself to create that sense sensorial memory thing happening where you're seeing something and it's like imagination yeah. using your imagination to create the the moment that is all michael chekhov's whole work is it's all imagination work and it's all um it it helps with character building and specificity so you know there's there's all this work too that's that's very physical coming up with your like you could come up with an intention a physical embodiment of the scene right so if if the scene is like starting with hope and then falling into despair that is an action you can physically do get you ready for the scene but then on a very small level you can either image yourself doing that within the scene or you can do some small micro version of that within the scene like it could be this okay something to find you and connect you physically to what's happening because to give you an example Um, One of the most challenging scenes that I've done on Bull was a doctor coming into the room to tell me my friend had passed away. And as the actor, people are talking. I see a coffee cup and I'm reminded that I'm on a set and then there's time and people are bored. And, you know, you have to really create a world around you that is very focused. And I called my acting mentor, the Hugh O'Gorman, who I mentioned, who taught me the Michael Chekhov technique. And he, he gave me one piece of advice that changed everything for me because I was very nervous about this big responsibility where in a second I had right. to, my world crashed down. And he said, look at the doctor look in his eyes and imagine that his eyes are pools of hope. And for some reason, that one image got me through it. Fascinating. That's amazing. Uh, Yeah, it's always about 
it's giving yourself a physical uh, anchor um, to to you know spur on the emotion the, the, because acting it's, it's a verb you, you need to physically be able to accomplish what you're trying to get and i came from the kind of the david mamet practical aesthetics stuff where it's 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 just sort of uh you know what do you want how are you going to get it so actions were uh things you could accomplish could you could you accomplish is that something you could physically accomplish and if you could that was an action you could pursue i want to put this guy in his place i want to teach this one a lesson and and it was sort of like verbiage you know and it's something that's something you can write down right. in your notebook, right? right? And that's something that you do in college um, when you're just learning how to do it is is breaking down the scene, getting really um, intentional and specific. And over time, you don't need to write right. at the top of the scene. I want to make this person trust me because I want them to give me the job. Right. And this action I'm going to play, I want to make you feel um, confident in me. I want to make you feel excited about me. I want to make you feel inspired by me. You know, and you're, you're right. playing all, you're writing them down and right. then you're rehearsing them that way over time. It's just intuitive. Exactly. You don't need to write it down anymore. But, it's, but when you're just beginning, you do have to do that more intellectual David Mamet kind of training right. to really get it in the body that it's about the other person it's about changing right. the other person that's what acting is to get what your character wants and what's yeah. interesting about what you did there is um like you said is i would i would imagine uh, a lot of the that michael chekhov sort of imagery stuff that you're using there it it's it's a prep it's a it's a rehearsal tool right like in other words when you're actually in the moment uh, you're not so much concentrating on two pools of hope, right? It's sort of, it's a trigger, but you, you let it go and you kind of deal with what's, what's in there. Like the, um, the, the thing you gave yourself was this little psychological gesture that, that you did. Yes. Yeah. It, and it just kind of roots you in, but then you're in the moment and it's always about that. I would think, right? Yeah. It, yeah, exactly. I mean, this is stuff that you cannot think about. Right. You have to, you have to be so, you have to work so hard at rehearsing this stuff and training, and then the artistry is letting it go. Letting it like go. you said, that that is the the artistry is like the technique is. Every day I wake up, I do this, I do that, I drink my coffee. It's rituals, and it's it's practiced. It's in your body. It's a it's a it's an athlete going and training every day. And, and being ready for the game. It's right. that level of, of dedication. And then when the game is there, you're just flowing. That's you're right. just letting it go. But you have to train to get to that point of relaxation That's and right. beauty and letting that, that take over. You can't just jump in right. and expect to do precise repeatability with complete spontaneity. Because sure, there are actors who can nail it but can you do it over and over right. and over and over again? Right. Are you going to be able to do that eight shows a week? Are you going to be able to do that for the next four hours? Right. Right. That's where it's like, that's where the training and the technique becomes vital. Right. And, and particularly in film and television where emotional things like that are completely out of context. There's no, there's no runway. It's like, no runway. ready, go. <laughs> you know? 
the world is ending yeah. and go. Yeah, and you don't necessarily get to have um, another beautiful actor's face and eyes to to look into. Right. So half of the work has to be imagination work because, I mean, half the time, because of how we're shooting in weird angles, we're like there <laughs> and they can like barely see our face. And we're like having to do the scene because we have to be so close to the camera. Right. It's like, right. you know, so you can't rely on other people. And maybe you're working with an actor who doesn't want to be there for your coverage. Right. I've been there. Absolutely. If you're, if you're hanging your hat on that other person giving you a performance, you're in trouble. <laughs> right. That's right. Well, I mean, that's what we do. I, I think uh, you couldn't have articulated, uh, you know, what we do and how it applies to the, you know, the, the grander scheme. It's a metaphor for life. You know, you, you prepare, you do your rituals, but when you go out there, you call audibles every day. You just deal with the moment and, uh, and hope that you have all the stuff in there. All right. So let's get you to New York then. So um, when did you, you move to New York to do NYU, I would imagine to do your masters and, yeah. and are you then becoming a working actor? Are you now kind of thinking while you're going to school, going out and auditioning, trying to get representation, all the whole actor biz. So NYU grad is a holistic, all in, there's no time for anything. You are there for three years. You have a summer to uh. maybe go and live and like have a relationship maybe do some regional theater, have, an, have a job. But in general, when you're in school, you are there all day long. You're there from 9 a.m. and you're at home at midnight. And wow. then you have homework and you're doing it all again. We only had Sundays off. Wow. We only had Saturdays off and we would rehearse on Sundays. Wow. So it was incredibly rigorous. Um, that and are, was and are you doing? Are you doing like theater are you doing are you working with the film students i mean what do you do yeah. what, what kind of stuff are you doing there it's a theater training theater. program okay started by zelda fish chandler um the idea was to create a company of actors who work together and create theater and so mm -hmm. you're creating this group it was an, a class of 17 people um pretty much half men half women and um we got to know each other's everything's like i define my training at nyu like crying in sweatpants and like <laughs> that's what it is for three years you're just it's taking, <laughs> i mean you're in sweatpants literally and you're crying every day because you're like oh i'm just so mad at my cousin for that one thing they did like it's oh my god the, the specificity of like really understanding yourself wow. as a person. And this is the time in my training where I'm not there to be told that I'm great. I'm not there to be told I'm doing a good job. I'm there to be told, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, what's, what's behind that? Mm -hmm. Why are you doing that? I see what you're doing. It's a really good trick <laughs> and I bought it, but now I know that that's a cover and that's something that you're, that's blocking you from really doing something very interesting. And as Janet Zarish used to say, used to say, she was one of our acting teachers, you know, I want to see you out on the skinny branches. Mm. So that was, this is a training where you're really getting to know yourself right. as a person. You're letting go of shit. You are, you are accessing the deepest, scariest parts of yourself and you are 
being asked to do something fucking else. Yeah. Make a different choice. Get out of your comfort zone. If you're doing something that's easy and predictable, you're probably not doing it right. Right. It's probably not very interesting. Right. And the whole idea is like, I would rather you make a big, specific choice that just is a fail than <laughs> do something safe. Right. Like that's the whole spirit of the right. NYU training. Basically, like, basically Nicholas Cage's entire career. <laughs> <laughs> a giant choice, you know, shoot for the moon. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes yeah, it works. Like, you know, kudos for like just being interesting. Absolutely. Like, it's unpredictable, right? right? Like at least we know that we're not, you know, it's it we're not doing Adam Sandler. Like, right. Right. We know you got that. Yeah. We know that if, it, if we're hiring you to be Adam Sandler, that's the product we're going to get. We're trying to get you to be Nicolas Cage, Meryl right. Streep. Right. People who have not only the ability to transform themselves, but to do it in a truthful, authentic, right. honest way. Right. But you can't do that unless you are honest with yourself and yeah. who you are right. and what your blocks are and what your... Um, what your hangups are. I mean, for example, our first day of NYU, we had this meeting with the 12th floor, which was the, the, the therapists who were on call on hand. Oh my God. For grad acting. And I, I think other pro probably other programs as well, but specifically. <laughs> oh my like the oh my God. It was like, Hi, my name is Rachel, and here's my card. And anytime you're having a crisis or you're feeling suicidal, and we're like, "Oh my god, what are we? Doing? What, what, what have we gotten ourselves into?" And I remember scoffing at it and be like, "That is so weird. Like, why would I do that?" And then second year, I was like, "Rachel, I need to talk." Wow. And then there, there begins my journey with like therapy and like a life. That's of intense. Yeah, really. Hi, to I'm, I'm Mackenzie. I'm an actor. We love you, Mackenzie. <laughs> wow. Holy shit. Therapist yeah. on call. That should tell you what we do. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's like, and as Michael Weatherly says, the lead on bull, you don't become an actor because you, your childhood was good. Like, <laughs> right. Like, so you do it because there's dysfunction and there's, there's, there's some stuff, right. you know, right. I don't think a lot of successful, talented actors could tell you. And there's, of course, exceptions to this, right. that I just had a really awesome childhood and everyone was really happy and accepting of me. And like, I never got bullied and I never, right. um, you know, felt any pain. It's like, well, OK, I did. And right. that's why I became an actor. Well, you know, what's, in, what's interesting about the, the whole thing there is, I mean, there's a couple of schools of thought on, on that. And, uh, and I think everything is kind of vibrational anyway, so people can sense things. So there's the idea that, you know, like the actor who comes off stage uh, and gave, the, a, you know, a fantastic performance that was received beautifully by the audience. And the other actors go, oh, you were great out there. And the actor goes, yeah, I didn't really, wasn't really feeling it tonight. And it's like, nobody cares whether you felt it. I don't care whether the, the chef, were, I, don't, I don't care where he trained or what his knife skills are. Did my meal taste good? So did the audience receive the truth? That's one sort of idea. But the other idea is that, yes, you have to be able to, yeah, you could get away with artifice. But I think that somehow they, they smell it. 
the audience, even if they can't articulate it. So if you can dig into your stuff and really get the truth, they're going to get something extra than the, than the technician, you know, I think. Yes, absolutely. And, um, this is, you know, NYU training was like what brought me to the next level. I Mm -hmm. mean, every class was sort of like the idea was, and David Costable was one of our clown teachers. And he was like, it has to cost you something. Mm -hmm. It has to cost you something. Right. If you're not doing something that's risky and scary and like, (sighs) then it's not worth watching. Right. True. That's right. Because everything you're going to be put in was written to be the most important, highest stakes of that person. You know, I mean, that's what we do all the time. We're in the worst possible situation, the best possible situation of their life. That's right. I mean, step one is when you read a play or when I read a play, my question is, why is this day different from all other days? Mm. And it's because because today is the day when I'm going to confront this person. Today is the day where I'm going to whatever. And it's life changing. You're right. It's like otherwise, if there's no stakes, why are we watching it? Why are we here? Right, right. So you're performing a satyr every time. Why is this different? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's it. It's you. You can leave a chair for Elijah, and everything's all good. Uh, all right. So, so when do you start um, seriously thinking about this? As all right, I, I've now I've got a t- ton of school behind me, and I'm I'm a trained artist. What are the first steps you're taking, and what are the gigs you're getting when you start stepping out? Well, one of the biggest misconceptions of going to grad school is that that's where you're paying your dues (laughs) and honey you're not paying your dues you are training you're paying your dues the minute you get out of school and you have to pay your own rent and you go to auditions and that's when the clock starts so i was thinking okay i went to nyu i'm gonna like cut to the front of the line and start to be on Broadway and, and, you know, book the pilots and, Oh my God, it was such a, like, so to take it back when I, when, when I went to NYU, one of the biggest or not one of the biggest, but a big reason why I thought that was really worth the the time and the, the financial strain was because at the end of it, it culminated in this very well attended industry showcase. Sure. The percentage of kids coming out of school with an agent was really high. And I was like, well, I'd like to get the best training and also be able to like start my career. So I was very lucky and ended up getting an agent out of showcase, a commercial agent and a um, theatrical agent in New York. So I started auditioning right away um, and things just didn't move. Mm. very quickly for me. Mm. I don't think I, I think NYU is great in training. You know what to do when you get the job. Sure, right. But I didn't know how to get the job. Right. That right. was like what was missing in the training. And I'm not even sure that that can be taught because it's something you have to kind of yeah. understand. Like you have to learn on the ground. You have to know how to navigate the subway system and i'm just going to talk about and the and the and, and the ground is always shifting it's not like yes. it's not yes. like you know you could do here's this here's the showbiz model uh it's the one business where it's not like you know being a doctor you go to this school this school this school this school and now you're a doctor you put on a shingle and you're a brain surgeon in this it's like you can learn everything and it's a like, good luck you know the, 
my bus boy is an actor and he's he i like him better than you i mean it doesn't really it, there's no rules it's a carnival right <laughs> it's a carnival of hell as yes, my right. <laughs> um but you know i just remember like one of my first pilot auditions i was you know in this play at spf which was the summer uh public theater festival or something at the public theater it was the summertime and i i was so like just not in the the game of auditioning and understanding any of this I had an audition after rehearsal and this was before iPhones and Google Maps. Okay, so you had to like plan your route. You had to kind of map quest. Right, yeah. <laughs> I'm dating myself right now, but you had to map quest your directions. And if something was funky, you had to just ask somebody <laughs> like, hey, um, how do I get to um, Union Station? Like whatever. Right. So. I left rehearsal and it started raining cats and dogs. This is for a, an NBC pilot audition and I am caught in the rain oh. outside without an umbrella. Oh boy. And I literally showed up like a, a wet dog dripping. I'm in the bathroom taking paper towels to try. I mean, I was mortified. And the woman, I mean, she looked at me like... <laughs> I don't even know what to do with it. Like, am I supposed to put you on tape right now? Your clothes are literally sopping wet. Wow. That's an example of the carnival of hell yeah. that I had to figure out on my own. Carry an umbrella, <laughs> maybe have a change of clothes. Right. I don't know. There, there are things like that. I would be late for auditions because train delays. And sure. I was just, I didn't know how to plan my trips very well. I hadn't actually... I didn't know Manhattan. I didn't know the train system because I was just going from my apartment to NYU right, for three right, years. Right. So I didn't know how to navigate the yeah, subway. Right. It wasn't an intuitive thing for me yet. Um, walking into rooms, I didn't. I just didn't know how to prepare auditions well. I didn't know how to connect with the readers when they weren't actors. Mm, right. I wasn't prepared for the casting director to be like. I love you so much and I want to marry you. Uh, and you're like, Oh my, okay. There's no in here. I just, okay. And, you know, and then it throws you off right. or people giving you notes or people, there was one time this woman was like, I don't know what choice you're making with your, your like sweater. Do you have anything else on you that oh you can wear? My and God. I mean, stuff like that would happen where it was like, Okay, I think I have a cardigan in my purse, and it was like bundled up and right. sad, and it was a wrinkled cardigan she made me wear because I didn't understand how to dress for auditions yet. Sure. So it took me a while to book anything. So and so you're learning this on the fly how to deal all this stuff. You're, you're learning it trial and error. Yeah, it's a it's a it's like it's like we have to learn jujitsu. You know, you know, we got to. Everything that's coming at us, we got to kind of flip and turn into our advantage because there's, you can't go at it head on. It's just impossible. So you have to take all this sea of no. And you're doing this as a young woman like nobody told you that it was going to be like that. Yeah. Pe people don't get that. So, so when do you think I, – I know the answer, but when do you think you, you, got the, you turned the, the channel on that where you're like, okay, I'm, I'm starting to get a handle of this stuff and you're starting to book some things? Ooh, 
Oof. I would say, you know, I, I booked a few things here and there and I kind of felt like it was accidental. I mean, I booked uh, like my first year out of grad school at the end of that first year, which was the worst year of my life. 2009, there were no jobs. Like I couldn't get a Joe job. Right. I, I couldn't get a serving job. Sure. I couldn't get, I mean, I was working like four jobs at a dress shop and then I was a barista and then I was a personal assistant in a wine tasting person that would go all over Brooklyn and give wine people to like, I was wearing so many hats and trying to manage auditions and find a printer because my printer ink was out and you know, it was just chaos. It was just right. a carnival of hell again. Um, and I booked Mil Mildred Pierce was my first on screen professional SAG job. Cool. And I got to do my scene with Kate Winslet and she was absolutely lovely. And my first take that I had was terrible. It was a tracking shot. And, you know, the timing of tracking shots has to be just so when everyone has to be perfect or else you have to go back. <laughs> right. Even if it's perfect, 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 and you mess up your line at the end, you have to go back. Right. So it's kind of a nightmare for like a novice actor Absolutely. to have a tracking shot. And I didn't know that at the time. And I just kept going. And anyway, she said to me after my first take, where I totally flubbed the line and I kept going, but she was like, Oh, it's so hard. Isn't it? You caught, they call action. It all just goes out the window. And I was, she just, I felt like she sensed that I was nervous right, and right. I felt like she needed to let the air out right. a little bit. Right. Cause she was but the like, one who could, she was the one who had the, right. the, the juice to do that. And for context, I was obsessed with, you know, Titanic. So I, <laughs> Well, I had a picture of Kate and Leo, you know, above my bed on the bow of the ship. <laughs> and I'm like, no pressure. Oh so I was, very, I was very nervous for the job. I was very nervous and intimidated by her, but she could not have been lovelier. Right. And I think she strategically knew, oh, my God, if we are going to get this shot, I need to calm this actor down. Exactly. I need to just talk to her. And so in between takes, instead of her going back to her trailer and faffing about she took that time to connect with me that's great what a generous actor that's really to talk to me about training and we talked about how this this world of of film this is something that cannot be taught i mean mm. from her mouth she told me you cannot learn this in acting school right. so she you know we were talking about oh i went to nyu and she's like that's great but you know what how can you, as an actor, understand the pressure of the director and the, all these people around, the extras? And, you know, they were all, I'm sorry, background. They were all at the time, you know, we were doing a 1930s thing. Sure. So they were all smoking. Mm. And that was really, like, <laughs> to deal with. Um, and you just feel like, if I mess this up, I'm never going to work again. So that you like, <laughs> can't have more pressure right you know right. um and you don't you don't know what anyone's saying because it's this different language of like right. cut um you know back to one um check the check the gate you're just like whoa what gate where's right. the gate right. <laughs> <laughs> faking it to make it right. and she was so lovely to at least acknowledge like you're not going to you have to just she goes one of the things she said to me was like, I always understand the scene when it's over, when we finally cut and we move on. <laughs> right. That's how I should have 
done it. Damn it. Like now I figured it out. I should have done like that. And she's like, that's, that's just how we have to be. Right. We have to acknowledge that like, this is so hard and like, it's not always going to be good. And she's like, you know, you'll watch it back and be like, Oh my God, what was I doing? I didn't understand what I was saying. And now I should have done it this way. And you have regret and, and talk about uh, letting go in the film world. What you start to learn is that anything you do, you know, who knows what they're going to do with it. You have no idea. I know. <laughs> it's just, you just yeah. like, I don't know. I'll watch it, but I, I know what I did. I don't know what they're going to do with it. You have no control over what they're going to use and what they're not and how they're going to splice it and dice it. And so that was, I would say such a gift to like put her in my oh, yeah. world and to have a woman who I am so admiring of um, tell me, I don't know. Right. I don't know either. Right. I had to learn by doing it. I had to learn by being sad and miserable. And I'm still like, what the fuck am I doing? Sure. I, and I can tell watching this performance of Mildred Pierce of hers that she she gets better as it goes on. <laughs> like she understand and I can see the relaxation set in and I can I can feel the tension in part one right. and it totally dissipates as the series goes on. And I'm like, you know what? We all go through unknowns and you're only as good as your last performance. So I'm sure if you are someone of that caliber, you feel the pressure of, I have to be great. Right. I have to, I yeah. have to deliver. You got to deliver. They're, they're counting on me. Right. Yeah. So in yeah. that, in that moment when you're working, were, were you just so, were you just so stuck in yourself? Um, that it was kind of tunnel vision on what you had to do or could you see what what she was doing opposite you could you see how she was managing herself or were you i would i would guess you were just kind of like so focused on yeah it was you're in it your was head tunnel vision i have to yeah. say i don't think i was able to listen i don't th- i i did a very rookie move and i i was playing a cashier and i was working behind the counter and i gave myself 10 things to do uh, it was yeah. a rookie move yeah. like I wanted to stay in motion. I wanted sure. to give myself jobs to do to kind of strategically get myself out of my head. But now that I know better, I'm like, it's so much easier to repeat your actions if you just simplify. Yes. So I, and I'm like, you know, you want to be facing camera. You don't want to be having your back to the camera. I just made really silly choices that were, it smacks of per- someone who is from the theater. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and it's not someone who is who has a camera in mind. And it's like, you want to be on camera. You want your face <laughs> to be shown. So like, it's fine if you want to just wipe down the counter and have that be just your action instead of I'm going to refill his coffee cup and I'm going to I'm going to put this out and I'm going to give him his thing and I'm going to go to the cash register. And I was like this crazy right. person right. doing the whole circus routine. And I'm like, right. man, I wonder if it would have used more of my stuff if I had just been simpler. Yeah. And what simplifying does too is you have all this energy, right? And it's like a flamethrower. If you can focus it in one thing, all that same, you know, doing this and doing that in in one place, all the stuff comes out. You know, all the the good stuff comes out that way. It's all focused. So what in the? So are you doing theater too at the same time? Or are you are you getting to be on stage and do shows at the same time? Yeah. So I'm auditioning for. Uh, off-Broadway, Broadway, regional, commercials, films, television Everything. shows, episodics, pilots, films, kind of, I mean, I just threw everything to the wall and right. s- 
would try to see what would stick. And I was able to get a couple of commercials after a while, which, you know, I had done those when I was a kid. So I kind of had a understanding of what that was. I love commercials. They're so easy. They're just mm -hmm. so like, you just have to be yourself and that's it. <laughs> right. And like, good, just be natural, just be normal. Um, you know, Mildred Pierce and then booked Wolf of Wall Street, which was like kind of the next big point. So is Wolf of Wall Street the next big, is that, is that before any really big theater stuff you did in, in the timeline? Because you, you did um, War Horse and, and that stuff, right? I actually, I had auditioned for War Horse to be in the, in the cast for the second year. And I didn't book it. But then they called me. This is kind of like the trend of my career is like, I missed the first boat, <laughs> but then I caught the second boat and I was here for it. I was like, I'm ready. Right. Well, so well they, in, fa in fairness, uh, Kate didn't get on the lifeboat in the first time in Titanic either. Nice callback. Yeah. Nice. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, I had done some regional theater stuff in there, but like, I would say the big, the big, thing that changed everything in my career was the wolf of wall street and um but at that time i was also auditioning sorry i was doing warhorse they had brought me in to be the swing for all five female hearts nice any of these actors talk about pressure that's okay? crazy man so they wanted one actor who they could use as the vacation swing wow so if Tess is going on vacation for a week, Mackenzie comes in and it wasn't that I played her part necessarily. It was, it was that I was her. They all had this crazy kind of like jigsaw puzzle that would happen when someone would go out. So they all covered for each other's uh, parts. Okay, and I got you. And I was sort of the stand in in case they couldn't do it got you so one would shift to there and and then you everybody was in a line kind of you shifted around got it so i was the insurance policy and i got <laughs> to be like in a lot of the group scenes and and i did get to have some performances but i had to be ready to yeah. play the lead i had to be ready to the, the lead mother and everything from the nurses to um a kind of medium-sized part to a little girl. Jesus, so, I, I would lose my mind. I, I, the panic would set in every day. It was pretty terrifying. I mean, I remember getting the call from my agent, like they wanted to know if you'd like to be the vacation swing and it would involve you knowing all of these tracks. And I don't think I slept very much during that time. I think the anxiety was pretty high and, you know, it was my first and only Broadway experience. And wow. I don't know. I just put one foot in front of the other and just, you know, my, I, the way I dealt with the anxiety was just being really, really prepared and just feeling like. So before we get to Wolf of Wall Street, so what was the, what was the Broadway moment for you? Was, was it one of these swing moments where you had to step in and where you had a, 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 either the lead or a full out? Like, what was the big where you're like, here it comes. I got to I'm going to hit the ball. This is it. You know, I never, I never, I, I did have a couple of like a small part um, at the end of the play, but I had, I had gotten this opportunity to be ensemble so I could kind of warm up into mm. that. Mm. So by the time we reached hour three <laughs> and we're at the very end, 
and I have three lines, I'm like, I can do this. But if I had to just jump in and do that, it probably would have been yeah. more terrifying. Sure. But I had been performing. I had been soldier, German soldiers, and I had been um, doing some some puppetry <laughs> stuff. And I had been, you know, the ensemble playing village <laughs> characters. And so um, I really did feel like I was part of the whole, right, so to right, speak. Right. And, um, but I, I do remember, like, there was this fabulous, I don't know if you saw War Horse. Did you no, see it? I didn't. I did not. The reveal of, like, the townspeople, it literally was like we were all in one line and we emerged from the fog. Mm. Like, the, the, the way that they did the lighting, that it's it, feel, it felt like this theater magic moment wow. where we just all appeared from the smoke. Wow. And, and in that, I was able to like see the audience and that was like a i'm on broadway right now i am on i am at lincoln center and i'm on broadway wow, and it was like that's awesome you know i i grew up watching muppets take manhattan <laughs> so that was like my favorite movie when i was a kid and it was like that scene when when kermit's like i'm gonna be on broadway and i was like ah, that's so awesome. Emerging Brigadoon, so, emerging from this the, this fog there. That's so cool. Yeah. What a, what so it was it was magical. And then at that time, that's when I auditioned for the Wolf of Wall Street. Right. But I was only in and out of War Horse. They would only call me in. They would like parachute me in and then parachute right. me out. So I wasn't like always there. Sure. It was just like, oh, so and so is going to be on vacation. Can you come in for two right. weeks? Right. So. So what um, is the audition for Wolf of Wall Street like? Martin this Scorsese, a, you know, I mean, this is huge. All right, ready? I'm ready. So Ellen Lewis is casting, mm -hmm. and I get the audition. Oh, it's to play Jonah Hill's wife, and here's the scene. It's one scene, and it's very vanilla. It's just like, <laughs> it was a scene that got cut out of the script, and they ended up having Margot Robbie play one of the scenes that I was supposed to do originally, it was the scene where like she's where Donnie and, and he gets the piece of chicken or something caught in his throat at the pool party. Cause they're on drugs. Mm. Well, the whole movie there. Yeah. But right. This was the scene where she's like, Donnie, Oh my God. <laughs> um, that was supposed to be my part. So the scene that I auditioned for was supposed to be in the hospital, Okay. which never made it into the movie. It was never <laughs> script. So it was like, Donnie, are you okay? Uh, it was so nothing. It was right. a nothing. There was nothing specific about the character. There was nothing interesting about it. I remember auditioning for it and laughing, being like, I'm so not getting this. I don't even know why I'm auditioning for this. I can't, you know, catch a cold right now. I don't know why <laughs> anyone would cast me in this. So I think there must have been some kind of a abandonment or something. Like, not abandonment. There must have been a sense of abandon in my audition sure. because I just got so out of reach. I hear, by the way, I'll stop you right here for one second because I hear this so many times. This is when, it's when you just don't, again, letting it go. When you just don't give a shit, you're like, fuck this. I, I'm never getting this. And you just, there's a relaxation that you finally That's, attach to. As Bobby Cannavale put it, the smell of desperation. <laughs> right. It's out. It's gone. You got rid of it. Gone. It was gone. I think I was in War Horse and I was kind of feeling like I have a thing and I have a, there's some yes in the universe for me right now. I don't, I didn't feel like I needed this job to like live and pay my bills. 
So maybe that helped kind of buoy things sure. a little bit, my, my confidence. But I did it. And I remember being like, my husband was like, how'd it go? And I was like, I don't know. I'm not going to get it. <laughs> a month later. Wow. wow. Heard nothing. Wow. No callback, no feedback, nothing. And I was like, yeah, I told you. Wow. And I didn't even think about it. Didn't even think about it. And then got a call from my agent while I was babysitting. Cause that was like my, at that time, that was my job job. That's sure. how I made my, I kind of landed on babysitting as like being the most enjoyable, least I want to kill myself job <laughs> <laughs> in between jobs as an actor. Uh -huh. yeah. I was like, you know what? This is practice for motherhood. I'll just do it. Um, and I was, the baby was napping and I got a call from my agent saying, you're going to be playing Jonah Hill's wife in the Wolf of Wall Street. Wow. And I, I mean, if the baby hadn't been napping, I would have screamed. <laughs> but I was so overwhelmed, so emotional. I called all of my people. They were all so happy for me because they knew what a shit show it, you know, yeah. it had all been. They'd all been there for all the crying and all the, you know, bed bugs and should I be an actor and all that stuff happened. So this was like, Oh my God, this is, there was this collective moment of like, this is going to change your life. Yeah. Yeah. This is going to change your life. And, and that <laughs> night I got drunk with my husband. We had, <laughs> we had some tequila. Pretty sure I threw up and I was like, I don't care. Which by the way, great preparation for Wolf of wall street. I was doing my homework. You're doing your homework, right? You know, it was like beautiful, you know, May. I feel like it was May, and it was like everyone was happy, and no one was wearing clothes finally. <laughs> right. Was just like margaritas, yes. Right. And and then we uh, we had a rehearsal, which is very. I rare. was gonna say, wow, really? This is kind of like how they used to do it. Wow. Like you actually rehearse your scenes, and I in didn't. The local and and I didn't think he was, Scorsese was all that big on rehearsal, but okay. You know, I think so. so this was the pool scene with with Donnie with the the dick in his hand. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think I think this was one that that Marty felt was pretty critical mm. or something, or maybe he wanted to kind of test me. Right. Like when I look back at it, and I'm like, you know, this might have been an audition. This might have been interesting a test okay. of sorts so they pick my ass up <laughs> drive my ass to oyster bay okay and this is the moment where i meet leonardo dicaprio who's <laughs> on my wall yes now you, you wait a minute i forget you completed the titanic cycle now this is awesome <laughs> <laughs> hello i'm like what is happening so I meet Marty, and to be fully honest about this, I am a girl from Colorado. I grew up listening to, you know, Michael Jackson, and I was musical theater and Saved by the Bell and just 90s. I didn't have any taste in in film. Mm. So my husband was like, oh, my God. And I'm like, I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't even know if I had seen any of his films, oh. maybe one. So it served me, though, yes. because I wasn't geeking out. Right. I was able to really just be myself around him because he's lovely to mm. actors and he's just a very 
friendly, affable person, very smart, and just, I felt like we really connected. Leo, however, <laughs> he introduced himself. <laughs> and he was like, hi, I'm Leo. And inside, I'm like, I know! <laughs> I know who you are! I'm like, hi, nice to meet you, I'm Mackenzie. And I'm just totally yeah. overwhelmed. Sure. Totally overwhelmed. And he's, you know, he's looking at me in my eyes, and I'm thinking, I know you, but you don't know me. And that just tripped me out. Because <laughs> I'm like, I have seen all your movies. I have looked into your eyes. Right. I know your voice. I know I know your body. I I feel like I know you and you've never looked at my face and you don't know me. Like that's so trippy. Right. Yeah. That is it just me out. He was lovely, very professional. Everyone there was just cool. Matt Jonah, he was cool. We rehearsed the scene. Margot Robbie was there. She and I didn't have much connection time she mm. was kind of um i think probably freaking out as well because this was her talk yeah, about her, well, her moment right that was her big moment all i remember thinking is that is the most beautiful woman i have ever seen in my entire <laughs> life i don't it's like she has a filter on her face like she's <laughs> stunningly beautiful so i was just very intimidated by her and i knew what like an opportunity this was because i knew the script so i was like oh my god but they, you know, we rehearsed it and we just sort of went through the blocking. And I was like, okay. Uh, so I guess they decided to keep me. Are they, are they, is he trying things at that point? Is he playing around with things or are we just kind of framing things out? Is it like, oh, you know what? Go back and do this again or, or any kind of experimentation with the rehearsal or what? No, no. It was very quick and it wasn't, it wasn't incredibly detailed. It wasn't like, um, I, I wasn't memorable in terms of yeah. like being rigorous. He or, just wanted to see, he wanted things. to see it on its feet with the people. That's what he was doing. He was he was yeah, like, I, least... I feel like it was more for him to design the shot. Yeah. To try to get in the the house that we were gonna shoot in and like see opportunities for some like right. okay, there's a staircase there and how would I with the pool and right. I think it was more for him. Time of day, to... lighting. I mean he's yeah, he's he's yeah. playing with it. Yeah. Yep. It's very, very very prepared so i think that was more for him and, and maybe it was perhaps to like double check that <laughs> it was okay. i still believe to this day that i got that part because they needed me to look like we could be related and i was short i was a short brunette who looked like i could be right. related to jonah hill right. that's why i got the part and thank god by but, the way um, great dress in that scene that was a good one they put you in that that real 80, 80, 80s, you know, uh, you know, uh, Mich Michelle Pfeiffer, Scarface, uh, 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 backless thing or whatever they had going on there. That thing was so uncomfortable. But <laughs> so what, what happened though in that process was so after the rehearsal, I got, I kind of felt like the air got let out of the whole process for me and I got to see and meet people. And then we started doing fittings. And this is when things changed. So it went from like, I'm just Jonah Hill's sweet, whatever, nothing wife, who's like generally supportive, to we would try things on that were like sweet Kelly Kapowski, kind of like 90s crop tops and jean jackets. And then we started to try on things that were 
outrageous. Mm. You know, Versace dresses <laughs> and things that were really like flashy and weird. And I didn't realize that these tapes, that these photos that they take of you get sent to the director. Hello. Uh -huh. Like, I'm just so not aware of anything. So I'm like doing all these like, right. I don't, I'm just being silly. Right. And those got sent back to Marty and he picked the outrageous stuff. Wow. So then that kind of led me down a path of like, then I'm getting a call from the hair and makeup people being like, hey, we want to spray tan you. We want to put nails on you. And then I'm in the makeup chair on the first day of shooting. And I'm like, so I'm, I'm in spray tan. I have like these long nails. Now they're making my hair look like a perm. And I've got this like insane makeup on. I'm like, I'm this chick from Long Island. Like I can't, I can't talk like me. Okay. So, so, there, then so there you go. Outside in. Yes. I look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, I can't even like my gesticulations are different. My, my voice is different. Everything just feels like it's not me. No, no, no. We're not going anywhere unless he says it's safe. All right. Don't worry about the chop. You don't know shit about chop. Oh, really? And you do? You're a fucking expert. I'll chop time. your fucking credit card in half. How about that? You know, it's like, so I started shooting the scene and I just did that person. Wow. And no one said anything. <laughs> and I was like, I guess this is what I'm doing. And wow. it was very improvised. So, you know, I came in like a good theater actor off book, knowing my cues. And Leo is just totally doing different stuff, totally off script. And I'm like, well, I can't say my line now because it doesn't make sense. So I'm going to have to improvise something. So I'm, you know, I was like, what am I, your fucking secretary? You fucking go do it, you lazy ass, you know, whatever. And I'm like, oh my God, I, I, someone's going to either fire me or it's working. So yeah, the whole process continues in incredible. that incredible. That is incredible. And that is talk about, you know, everything we talked about before about the, the what informs the the character that comes out. It's not just the 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 intention of it when you're on there, but all the stuff that they put on you before changed everything. And I mean, the, a genius like Martin Scorsese, to his credit, is like, yeah, let's let her do that. Do that thing. You know, let her do that. She's doing it. The, the thing that's really artistic about Martin Scorsese is that he's really a fan of happy accidents. Like when I work, when I work with like, like real artists, artists, like people who are touched mm -hmm. and who really churn out incredible things. The one thing they have in common is that they, they have, they're prepared, but they're really excited and, and interested in mistakes. Yes. Yes. And they pay attention to that and they use that as an opportunity to be like, I never would have thought. So there's an ego thing that gets put away Absolutely. for them Absolutely. where they're like, you know what? This actress's choice is better than I, I don't know. There's something, there's a flow that right. they kind of get into and it's like a meditative state where they're like, oh, that was an accident, but I loved it. Let's keep it. And that is sort of like the spirit and the thing that like, gets involved in all of his films is this this permission that he gave me as an actor and to all the cast to like just go for it right. just go and the, the only notes that he would give me were very actionable actionable very simple very playable faster bigger <laughs> right hit him harder 
Right. Um, you know, just just be more annoyed. Like, right. and it was, he didn't micromanage and he wasn't hands off. He was just, he knew exactly what he wanted, but he knew not how to not get in my head. Right. And I think the, the, my first day of shooting, I'm pretty sure I was not doing what he wanted. But instead of making me feel bad and making me feel insecure or like, what are you doing? He actually built up my confidence because he knew that's how he would get the performance out of sure. me. So he was like, you're doing great. Just do more. Right. Just right. do bigger. Just hit him harder. You know, and it was like, okay, so he's happy with what I'm doing. I just get to be bigger. So I finally, you know, gave him what he wanted. And, and I don't know if he even knew that going into it. I don't know that he had planned on like needing Jonah on the ground and punching him and kicking shit out of him because right. the way that we had rehearsed it was like you stupid ass you know like hitting him off the side of his head but what we ended up doing in the film was like take him down to the ground and kick his ass <laughs> right. and while you're doing that like feel free to say whatever the hell you want right right so well i having think that yeah i think that was really, really that's that is that to me that as i go through this art that's always the the goal is less of the of the of my idea of it i mean yes there's a there's a repeatability we want to be able to do that's fine but if i can go in and just deal with what is happening and let go of this and 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 let those things flow um magic happens that you never would have anticipated so the geniuses like that look at those photos coming back from the from the uh, from the set, the dress the, the costume designers and go oh yeah the, i wasn't going in that direction but that's the way it's telling me to go it's yeah it's chipping yeah. away at, you know it's the chip away at the at the block of granite and it's telling me what to do and the more you can do that the more the art is truthful. You know, if you start hanging on to it, you know, that's when the kids rebel, you know, let them go, <laughs> let them go, yeah. let them be there. You know, that's yeah. awesome. So what, yeah. so what Should moment, what moment on that piece did you feel? Did, was there a moment where the confidence came in where you're like, you know, I belong in this room with Leo and Jonah and Marty. I, I, I'm, this is fun. I'm in, I'm now playing with Pele. I'm playing with whoever, you know, like I, did that happen for you? Did you feel like I made it? I did it. I'm here. I'm a really insecure person <laughs> and I, I, I don't know that I ever felt quite, quite that way. I always kind of felt like the outlier and like, I'm lucky to be here and it's a miracle that I'm here. Like, I still to this day, like working on Bull, I'm like, this is a mistake someone made. And I'm really happy that like that mistake happened. And my job is to just stay, just stay put and don't fuck it up. And like, just keep my job. So, but there was a time towards the end, because we shot for like four or five months. Mm. Oh wow. There was a day um, when, because Leo had such a big, you know, responsibility yeah. that he, he often would not socialize in between scenes and i understand it because he had a lot going on and i'm sure he was working on scenes and i do think that he's more of a like method actor so maybe he kind of wanted to just stay in the zone sure um but there was one day that was pretty magical where we just 
him and I had a conversation, like two people in actor chairs. And I talked to him the way that you're talking to me, just interviewing him, not in a like creepy, like <laughs> tell me way, but just in a more intentional craft driven way. And it was so cool mm. to just feel like we were finally in the same room. We're just right. two people. He poops, I poop, we're, <laughs> we all poop, you know, and we're all just humans and we're all insecure. And he just happens to be on this really specific trajectory of like fame. And right. he, he has an entourage and he has a lot of people saying yes. And his world is very different from ours, right. from mine, from, from us, you know, real people. But I appreciated that he he shared with me that because I had pointedly asked him, I saw an interview of Kate Winslet being interviewed on <clears throat> the James Lipton oh, um, Inside I, the Actor right. Studio. And he brought out her diary and started reading her oh diary from her time on Titanic. And it was really disturbing. She was really, really like crippled with insecurity and really miserable and seemed depressed and like not well and i said was that your experience working on that and then he opened up about how horrible that experience was for him and how they really bonded through mm. how hard that was on a side note james cameron seems to have that effect on a lot of people <laughs> just names but ask the entire cast of the abyss they'll give you the same uh <laughs> <laughs> the story it, it sounds a little it sounds a little abusive yeah. um, there's a lot of yelling there's mm. a lot of being the opposite of scorsese exactly. like you're lucky to be here and you're not you think you're hot shit and like i can kind of make or break your career there's a lot of threats and there's sure. a lot of you know knocking people down and and, and making them feel insecure and right. not not worthy and you know to, and i don't understand that strategy well, you know what, to, like to go was. back to what we said there i mean not where i'm not here to knock james cameron but i mean either they're all geniuses in their own right the kubricks and those guys i love watching their films yeah. but their approach is is really control yes. to the to the nth detail like super in their ego and head to to every fine detail which makes a different kind of picture and a brilliant picture, but there's not a lot of the letting go that we're talking about. And that creates a lot of anxiety. I think it's maybe a great product, yeah, but it's maybe not fun. Yeah, exactly. And in our work to bring it back to the four brothers, there has to be joy. Yes. There has to be joy. People have to be happy. And like, I do, I don't think it's an accident that like Marty and Leo like to work together because right. I think he feels trusted. I think he feels like he can, take risks and try things. And he had the ability during the, the filming of that to watch his takes, mm. you know, he would go back in video village and sort of watch and, right. and sort of, let me try it again. And yeah, they were, <coughs> they were collaborative right. partners. Sorry. That's okay. Uh, take a drink. Cause we're going to, we're going to, we're going to speaking about great products. <laughs> Because I have a little time with you left. I know you got a heart out here, so I'm going to just do a little bit more. Um, let's get to the next great product, which is the cool gig you got now, which is where I got you from with Geneva um, Bull, uh, CBS Network Television. Um, how does this come right off of the heels of Wolf of Wall Street? How does this come into your life? Like, And are you like, wow? <laughs> 
it's again another lightning in a bottle unknown strange experience of how i came to be in the show so long story short after wolf of wall street things were really quiet for me for like a year then i got to work on vinyl uh, which was another a lot of fun project. yeah yeah and uh, bobby Cannavale, yeah that was a great show oh my god it was such a dreamy script i'm a huge music fanatic so i was totally like this is the best thing that's ever happened to me because i did feel finally like like i i had earned my space there right. and i didn't feel quite as like i need to prove that i'm worthy of being here oh, i mean of course still sure it was a little less like what am i doing here right it felt like familiar you know it was terry winter mm -hmm. it was for Stacey. There were a lot of the same actors from The Wolf of Wall Street. So that was like J.C. McKenzie and, um, uh, gosh, there were like five of us. So we had all kind plus, of... Plus, again, they're sticking you in a period piece. You know, you're back now in the 70s or, yes, yeah, the 70s, right, Vinyl? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And and that was, God, that, that was such an amazing gift. So sad that that ended. But mm. what happened was... I was living in New York. We shot season one of vinyl at the end of shooting that I got pregnant and I was like, this will be great. I'll have my kid and then I'll go back to season two <laughs> and I'll be a working mom and it'll be fantastic. And then they're like, it's been canceled. Mm -hmm. And so I'm four months postpartum. Oh. Like, oh my God, health insurance. How am I going to live this job that I had, counted on being in my life is no longer here. So then the conversation was very much like we should move to LA. Mm. My husband and I had both been really leaning on the idea because we wanted to. And just as a side note, your husband is an actor and writer and director. An and actor. Well. Yeah, that's right. Matt Delapina. So he, we decided let's, let's make a real change and dedicate ourselves to this, this film and TV thing. Mm. You know, theater's not paying the bills, so let's just ride on some, like, fumes that we have going here. And and we had been told that that transition would be fine and we would have the support. And it turns out when you move to L.A., it's a very different market. Mm. And they're kind of not friends. Like, it's not like <laughs> right. the office in L.A. and the office in New York are like, what's up, man? How you doing? I love this person. Yeah, we're going to get her work. It's like competitive. And mm. it's they they didn't, at least my people, were not friends and they didn't communicate very well. And it sort of was like, you're leaving New York. Bye. And I was not really taken care of in L.A. And then I got dropped. Mm. So I land in L.A., and then I get dropped. And you're talking for, for folks listening, you're talking about your, your representation, your agent, manager type people. They're very different yeah. on both coasts, even though it's the same office. Yeah. Yeah. So I had a manager who stuck with me, Johnny Planko. He's no longer with us, but he was an old school manager. And he, you know, he was a through line for me. And I did get a commercial agent, and they were great, actually. CESD was really. Um, strong on both coasts and they welcomed me and gave me auditions and I was able to book and I just felt like okay this is happening commercially but what's happening theatrically and shortly after I arrived in LA I got an audition for Bull and I was still at that time my son was eight months old mm. and 
I was still very much postpartum, you know, breastfeeding and, you know, not, we hadn't really figured out sleep. And I just, the <laughs> idea of going back to New York, either with my son to mm. shoot or without my son, mm. I couldn't make that work. Wow. I just was like the two weeks away from my son or with my son in New York, it overwhelmed me. So the audition for Bull, I turned down. Wow. And, um, and then, you know, I got dropped and then I, it sort of was like this spiral, this, this, this downward spiral of like trying to get another agent. Mm -hmm. And, and there's this thing in LA that you go in a room and you feel like everyone's feeling you and you feel like they're laughing at your jokes and <laughs> you're so cute. You're so funny. And then you leave the room and you get feedback and it's like, yeah, they just weren't, they just weren't feeling you quote. They just didn't see, they didn't feel like anything was special here. Um, they didn't unanimously agree. They didn't think you were a good fit. I mean, wow. all these really like, heartbreaking things. And I had thought like the momentum I had in New York would have carried me at least to get another agent. And sure. I wasn't shooting big. I was like, I'm fine with boutique. I just want to like get in. I, you know, at this time and still to this day, I'm not like offer only and <laughs> I only do this and this is my rate. Like yeah. I was willing to do anything. I right. just wanted to get into this market right. and um, I couldn't. Hmm. And then one day, out of the blue, I get an email from my manager that says something to the effect of, the showrunner of Bull would like to meet with you in their LA office to discuss a new series regular role they will be introducing in August. And this was like June. And I was like, who are they talking to? Do they think I'm someone else? Like right. that was my first reaction. Right. I'm like, I can't even get an agent. Like I have an audition for a movie, a like TV. I haven't, and the no one even. And the last thing, you, any interaction you had with that show was you turned out an audition, right? Yeah. Well, because I was like just too busy being a sad postpartum mom. So, so I just was like, this has to be a mistake, but I'll totally go. <laughs> and you know, at the time it was like, it was, it was hard times. And I, you know, bought a cute dress on Bloomingdale's that I totally thought I was going to like return, like keep the tags on and return it, but just like try to be cute. So I show up in the office and I met with Glenn Gordon, Karen, the showrunner of bowl. We talked for 20 minutes, mostly about Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> we talked about motherhood. We talked about vinyl. And then I left the room and thought, okay, I think it went well. I said to my manager, I think it went fine. Like we had a great conversation. Um, but in the meeting, he said to me, I'm gonna be honest with you. You're the only one who I'm talking to. You're the only one whose work I responded to. And I'd really try to like, like to miss work and we just have to get through the studio and the networks. And I'm thinking, what? Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't even know what you're saying to me. So then after the fact, I told my manager it went well. He's like, he loved you. I think we're going to be testing, right? That would be the logical next step. He didn't have anything to test me. He didn't make me read anything. But I had assumed they're probably going to set up a test in L.A. I'm going to read. And then they'll see. Well, two weeks later, 
I get a call from Kathleen Chopin, the casting director of Bull, that I booked. <laughs> wow. Booked without an audition. I'm impressed. No audition. <laughs> so she's like, you're going to be doing a three-episode arc with the possibility of becoming series regulars. So it was basically a three-episode audition. Right, sure. But that was still, mind you, without any procedural experience, mm. none. Mm. I auditioned. You mean you never for, did Law and Order? <laughs> like everybody else? No, I never booked it. <laughs> I never did. And I was always telling myself, I'm just not a procedural actor. Hence why I wanted to move to LA because I was like, I'm, I feel like I should be doing half hour comedy. I, I want to be doing a sitcom or something light and fun and funny. And I'm just never going to book those like Blue Bloods. How many times have I gone in for Blue Bloods? Like probably seven or eight times. Never booked a Law and Order. Never booked a good wife. None of these auditions. I don't even think I came close. So I just decided I was never going to be a procedural actor. And then here I am with a three episode arc. And I'm like, this has to be wrong, but okay, we'll wow. go with it. So then all of a sudden we're in the situation where we're living in LA and I decide to take my family with me because I'm like, I can't, I can't be in New York for three months right. without my family. Right. So we get an Airbnb, <laughs> we set ourselves up and the whole time I'm waiting to see if I've like made the cut right. and the information was a little hard to get. And then finally there was a time when they were like, you can start looking for an apartment. Wow. So what was, so for that three episode arc, are they looking, are they, are you trying to develop something? Are they, are, are you, are they working with like, you know, let's like, are you seeing some kind of development in the character where that you can see where they're going to eventually make you a regular? Like what was the vibe there? You know, it's funny because they sort of, made me they made my character a member of the team on my first episode right so i'm sure they could have written their way out of that i feel like they wanted to set up taylor as the new member of the team but they probably could have written their way out of that if they didn't like me being sure. like she didn't work out because she just was too whatever right, i mean they right. can write their way in and out of anything so i think they just started themselves on a trajectory and they just kept going so it was like you know, my first episode is I'm a mom. That's my first priority. But if you have me, then you will be my second priority. Wow. So I'm supposed to be here, I promise. See? Credentials. I'm Taylor. Taylor Rensel. She and I work together at Homeland. She said you guys needed a bunch of cyber sleuthing done ASAP. And as it turns out, tonight's the night my three-year-old goes to my ex for two days. How appropriate. I know. <laughs> Art imitating life. That's right. All right. So let's uh, just a couple more minutes. I'll let you I promise I'll let you go. So let's talk about working on the show. Uh, Geneva talked about a lot of, uh, 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 you know, how how you guys, at least she and, and Michael Weatherly, you know, kind of dig into scenes, even when they're not working together. So is is it a kind of a fun environment for an actor? Do you get to play around a little bit and, and work with the, this team? You know, this is this has got to be a pre covid answer okay. because it's changed everything COVID mm. is like we're not supposed to be around each other or talking to each other and in each other's rooms I mean it's very like go to your corners and mm. just you know they try to keep us away from each other even though Geneva and I sometimes still just <laughs> out in our room. but 
Yeah, in general, I mean, it's it's such a great group of people. It's like such a wonderful cast and crew and um, the writers are in LA, but you know, every time I get something that's juicy, I'm always really excited and, and really happy. And I feel like Glenn writes in my voice, which is a strange thing. To Interesting. Like, like when you're doing a film, it's written, yeah. you know where it's going, you know, kind of, you can plot out what you're going to do. And as a actor on TV, you're like, oh, I didn't know that I spoke five languages. Interesting. <laughs> like you can't, you can't really like make any decisions about right. your character. You have to just take it as it comes. Right. And then sometimes they like maybe forget that detail. You're like, I have a sister, but it's fine. We don't have to talk about it. <laughs> I'm on a date with that guy. I don't know if we're going to, we're not going to deal with it. Okay, great. Right. So you kind of have to just be loose and like, in and, the moment and how do you a like, lot of we don't even get our scripts right. ahead of time so i'm sure geneva talked about that we kind of have to do it as it's coming so sometimes it feels very like i literally don't know what's gonna happen <laughs> i don't know if this person's innocent or guilty or you know you can't plot it out right right you're always playing it like um, as Jerry Zachs would say, I'm protecting the possibility of a happy ending. I don't know any anything different. Right, right. That's great. I'm, I'm going to be able to crack this, but I don't know. I mean, it's good and I, I, it's good and bad because I imagine. I mean, it would be one thing if everything was shot in continuity, you know. But if but if it's not, how do you do the end Tuesday and you didn't know what happened on you know? What I mean, like it, it must be odd sometimes to protect that. If you it don't, is, if you don't, know think, the... if you don't know, yeah, you don't, I think you just really play where you're at, which is kind of, right. that's what you're supposed to do anyway. Right. Like if, if you know that your character is the murderer, <laughs> then it, uh, it would change things. But if you don't know that you're the murderer, right. then you're just playing the truth of the moment. Like, no, I didn't do it. Right. But either way. Right you're going to try to convey that to right. someone. Right. So it doesn't really matter. It might actually make your performance better if you're like, yeah, I'm just going to, my understanding is that I'm being accused of this. And my choice is that I don't think I did, but then you get the script and you're like, Oh, oh looks like I did <laughs> guilty. So I must be a very good actor, right. a very good liar. So it kind of doesn't really matter. So McKenzie you know, earlier the way that they cut it together they make it work exactly so what you're saying Mackenzie, is you your character is the murderer which is going to be a big surprise to all your fans <laughs> so let's talk about let's talk about the gig itself for a couple of seconds which is is this a nice to me as an actor it would seem like this is a cool gig because we you know we booked this thing last week but it's like you, you don't really know if you're going to work but so the schedule is is fluid but it's a nice schedule it's like a like working a job you know yes yes it's a wonderful schedule i mean especially being on bull we don't have a lot of night shoots mm. so and michael has a family and he wants to go home so that means we shoot monday through friday like we basically we never start before seven and we never generally are shooting later than seven wow that's great a long day but like i don't work every day so if i do have a long day it's fine right whereas um 
vinyl and wolf god we would shoot all day i mean those would be like 20 hour days wow wow you know we there was one time we were shooting the pilot of vinyl we got there at like 9 a.m and we came home in a van and the sun was coming up wow and you're up the whole time you're shooting yeah and you're getting a lot of overtime but like whoa that is gnarly and that that's, is, those are really tough hours and that's the other thing we didn't touch on we'll touch on real quickly here is is the managing yourself as an act your physicality your energy you know to be in it especially if the stakes are really high in a scene or something to be able to you know rev down rev up rev down rev up you know all day long is that's something people don't un- understand how we do that <laughs> It's very hard. I mean, it's like being an athlete, right? You just have to know yourself. You have to know, okay, I'm, I'm going to be here all day. I have a lot, like, sometimes I have a lot of text and sometimes I have a, a lot of emotional heavy lifting and those will change how I prepare and what I'm doing in my dressing room. I mean, if I have a big episode with lots and lots of emotional scenes, I'm doing yoga, mm. I'm listening to music. I'm completely in like this headspace of just preparing for the next scene. Right. If I have a lot of text, I'm just running my lines and I'm chit-chatting with my friends on the phone or I'm hanging out with Geneva or, you know, it's a little bit more relaxed and a little bit less kind of like Mm. that because I feel like the trick for me in this character is that I have a lot of jargon Mm-hmm. Right. So that's not easy. Yeah. So you have to be really off book. You have to know it inside and out. And you have to be able to say it super fast and super confidently. And it's just like rolling off the top of your tongue. You know, you're just not you're not making a meal out of it because it's just your work and this is this is how you speak and this isn't really a big deal because this is what you do. Right. So that's how it be can be natural. So for me, the, the goal is to stay relaxed right. when I'm shooting right. and to just stay, stay in an easy, um, light state of being right. to do that. Yeah. It's, it's and to a- try to much of myself to the part because it can be a little dry. It can be a little bit robotic. So mm. you have to inject it with a lot of like personality and you know michael weatherly my first day he was like they hired you because they like you they like your personality they like whatever your opinion is that's her opinion don't try to do a character because we don't have time for that in tv right right this isn't wolf of wall street this isn't vinyl we're not we're not doing that we're doing tv we have to churn out episodes we have eight days we get scripts at the last minute you're not going to create a character bio for like every Right. you know you're just going to be like okay great i speak french great <laughs> i know how to read cctv right. cool like right um so yeah, yeah it's it's bringing yourself to it to, just for the the actual expediency of the of the thing well i'll tell you i love your character i love your character here so the last couple of minutes uh, uh and i and i'm gonna let you go right after this is what first of all Anything coming up? Besides, is is I mean, once this all breaks, hopefully in the next whatever, aren't you got any other things you're looking to do? Is any going to go back to the theater? Do anything else? Films or anything? No, no. I, I'm I'm really when I'm not shooting, I really love that time to kind of just 
I mean, I'm open to doing other things, but my focus is kind of just being a person, being able to travel. <laughs> right. I mean, with COVID, like, I just want to go see my family in Denver. I want to just enjoy being a mom and like right. picking him up and, and <laughs> just being a person. And right. uh, not to say that I'm not, I'm not trying to say like, I live like a celebrity. <laughs> People are hounding me, but you know, just not having right. the panic of like an email coming in and being like, Oh my God, I'm in a scene and there's tons of lines and it's shooting tomorrow. I mean, right. to be able to let that go is really nice. And to, like I said, with COVID, like things opening up and people being vaccinated, I'm just excited to live. Yes. I just want to live. I want to dinner. I want to travel. Oh, so that, don't we all? Don't we all? Right. And so when the end of when if we do have a season six, um, we only have two months off. So right, I, right. I just feel like that time is really important to like regenerate and reconnect with yourself right. and yeah, do absolutely. what you need to do for your soul in your life. Yeah, and that's that informs everything you do in your art is to just be a regular human being. So that's very important. So finally, last thing um, uh, for the uh, that young Titanic fan out there who's looking to be the working actor. What what is the what are some of the gems? You've given me a ton of them, but what would you what would be the advice you give to uh, the young artist who's uh, starting out? I would. Say say the most important thing is to say yes to your life like don't just be an actor you know like do other things have relationships don't don't put all your eggs in one basket it's okay to leave it's okay to come back it's okay to take a break I was a wedding planner for a little bit I just wanted to have some agency over my life and I wanted to feel like I was in control and I was calling the shots and I really needed that. And, and it was a really good confidence builder for me when I wasn't acting in LA. Um, I think of course training I believe is very, very important, but I think you get more training out of just living, traveling, um, having conversations with different types of people and having different life experiences. Um, I mean, I, I, I think see as much as you can and it's a marathon, not a race. That's it. I have to tell myself that all the time, but like there are times that are so hard and it's okay. If today you don't want to be an actor and you're like, I'm not going to be an actor anymore. Right. Great. Meryl Streep feels that way. Okay. So if Meryl Streep can feel like I don't want to be an actor anymore, then I can feel that way. Right. And have a family if you can, become a parent. Um, if that's something that calls to you and that's something that you want to do, that's a beautiful, challenging, life-affirming thing that, that I've realized. Um, you really see what you're made of. Mm as a person right. <laughs> especially as a mom like it's a it's a incredibly hard thing to be a parent yeah yeah but i feel like the challenge of motherhood helps me with the challenge of acting and the challenge of acting helps me with motherhood right they're all connected um life informs art and art informs life. It always will be that way. And from the sidelines here, uh, uh, watching you at the marathon right now, you, you got a nice, you know, at least three person lead. So you're doing really well in the, 
in the race. I, I really appreciate it. I appreciate all the time you gave me. Uh, you were a delight, uh, uh, as I knew you would be. And uh, best of luck with everything in the future. Thank you so much. This was so lovely. I just, I love talking about the work and, and just, you know, there's no, there's, there's so many different ways into this world and everyone has a different journey. Right. You had a different journey and different training and, and it's all great. Yep. Yep. So, it's really cool to connect. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. 